Hello guys and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast and you suck at the Battle of Shrewsbury. I'm going to use these as hybrid episodes because of course this is an amazing event that we took part in in Shrewsbury but as well on the flip side I feel like there's a lot to be learned about British heritage and history um, that the our US listeners for USUC will appreciate too. So I'm going to release this as two separate playlists on both USUC and on the Shrewsbury Biscuit. If you're listening to this for the first time, we'd appreciate it if you would go to uh, the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast on social media, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. Give us a follow. And the same for USUK, U-S-U-K. You type that into Facebook, you'll see our page. We have a USUK fans group there as well and on Instagram. Give us a follow, share these episodes, subscribe, do what you need to do. A huge thank you to the organisers from the Battle of Shrewsbury for letting us set up a studio and letting us spend the day there with you guys. We got some amazing interviews. The atmosphere was just absolutely phenomenal. We lapped it up. We really did. We did lots of vlogs, lots of walking around. We did interviews in the little studio we set up. We did lots of interviews on the move. And we really do hope you enjoy this playlist of amazing interviews. Well, it's time for the interview. Take it away, Al. And... Whoever is with you at the time, peace out. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Shoes and Biscuit podcast and possibly you suck. I think we're going to use this as a hybrid episode because um, I love mead. Mead is just amazing, okay? And uh, today at the Battle of Shrewsbury, at Battlefield 1403, I've, I've, we've found, I've found two mead stalls or, or places. So I've got I've got uh, Pete, for, Peter from uh, Nid, Nidlogger? Nidhogger Mead. Nidhogger yeah, Mead. Mead. Just turn that mic to you. So a little there bit. you go. Nid, Nid, yeah, Nidhogger Mead. Is that a bit better? There yeah, you go. Peter Taylor. Um, Nidhogger Mead and uh, Sandy from uh, Mercian. Mercian Mead, yeah. Mead, yes. Okay. Why do I, do, I, do I not find mead anywhere apart from specialist stores like yourselves? It's, it's one of those drinks you just can't ever seem to find. I think it basically it's, it's always been around. In fact, there's evidence for it 6,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, anywhere where there's honeybees, you'll get fermented honey. Yeah. But it's always been um, a backdoor thing. Every household village had bees, and they can only eat so much honey. But it never really took off as being universal like beer is, or posh like wine is, because wine's imported. That's that bit more special. Yes. Yeah. That's that's sort of what killed it. Um, you obviously had the Viking period, uh, where mead was massive. Um, they used to do things called freeze distilling, so they would put it outside in buckets and then take layers of ice off so you get more and more alcohol uh, to make it exceptionally potent. Um, but then you get the Middle Ages come along um, and the people that drank mead were poor people because you couldn't import wine. The only people who could afford to import wine were rich people. And of course everybody wants to be rich. So as time goes on, mead sort of fades into the background, beer becomes more useful because they start brewing ale, they start drinking ale all the time because it doesn't have the similar sort of fermentation time because it takes a long time to make mead properly um, and instead of drinking dirty water they were drinking beer so if you've got beer that you can get drunk on that you drink all the time yeah. or mead that's going to take you a very long time to make or imported wine which is expensive well, you're going to end up drinking the beer um, so that's it's sort of just faded out slightly but 
we'd like to bring it back I think yeah I, I, I agree I mean uh, me and Tom I've got uh, uh, Leon with me as well who had I wasn't going to include this into the podcast but I think it's very important <laughs> that I okay had a little taste of mead because it's not it's not like he's, he's a young chap but like he's, ne- he's never tasted mead before right no. um, and it's one of those drinks that I love to just enjoy slowly mm. and uh, Tom Bruno my co-host who's may listen to this may not I don't know um, <laughs> but uh, it's one thing we have in common from one side of the ocean to the other he's in Vermont is that we love drinking mead and um, one of the reasons is you can get have a few get a little bit tipsy and it's not, not it's not that bad for you it's, it's, you're not going to put weight on um, and you know I, we were talking about I'm on keto diet and it's not even though it's made of honey it's stretched quite far across yeah, the yeah because it's well fermented the yeah. yeast knows exactly what to do with honey yeah uh, a touch of na- normal nutrients for the yeast to keep it going yeah. it'll just work its way through it really nicely and you, your default form of mead is really quite dry and then you can build up from there whatever level of sweetness you want yeah um, I love it. How did you, I will start off with you, Sandy. How did you start off doing what you do now with, with mead? Well, I've always made things since I could stand at the oven, so chutney, wine, all that kind of thing. But I've also been really interested in history. And I met up with my opposite number, Sandy McKnight, at a, an archaeological dig I was running. And his family have always made wine and mead and so on. And we were both bemoaning the fact you cannot get decent mead. In fact, you can't get mead anywhere. Point proven. You go into most yeah. pubs, you go, what mead have you got? And they go, What's mead? So, okay, I'll go somewhere else. so we said, oh well, just let's just make some. How hard can it be? And then we found out um, anybody can make mead. Anybody can make alcohol. It's probably going to be rocket fuel. Yeah. Um, the trick is to make it rich and flavorful and not burn. And that's where we've been working over the last few years. It is. It must be a difficult. I had a friend drop off three bottles of homemade mead once. He was like, I got some mead. You can try some if you want. Out of those three bottles, one was one was okay. The other two were kind of like you said, rocket fuel. So it, it mustn't be. How long did it take for you to to perfect making meat? Did it take? We a- haven't finished, but <laughs> I would say the first year, we were not liking it ourselves as much as we as we want to. Um, as the next few years, because we've been going since 2016. Okay, cool. Um, so we've been building that up. We're, we're really much more pleased with our product. It's clearer and it's got a better flavour. We've never managed to make a mead that burns, so I'm quite impressed. Um, yeah. Nice. You guys? Uh... Yeah, uh, we, we started because we're Viking reenactors. Um, nice. So been reenactors for, for many, many years, and we were spending too much money on mead. Um, so on a, you know, we'd go to a Viking show on a Friday and Saturday night between myself and my fiance Ellie. We'd probably buy two or three bottles. Uh, so you're talking, you know, 40, 50 quid if you if you're buying all right stuff. Uh, both nights, so that's 100 quid a weekend just on booze. And I was like, this is just getting a bit ridiculous. Um, so my future mother-in-law has made mead for oh, 20, 25 years, and I just basically got bored one afternoon and said, go on then, show us how to do it. So she did, and unfortunately I have a little bit of an obsessive personality with ADHD, so I sort of went mental with it, and I turned the entire house into a meadery. So our back bedroom had 32 23 litre buckets in it, our lounge had six 60 litre barrels and eight 23 litre buckets in there, and you couldn't get to the sofa. Um, and, and that was just for a hobby. Uh, and then we went to a show, and we were handing it out, and people said, oh, it's really nice, you should, you should sell this. 
And I was like, nah, nah, this is just my friends being nice to me. Um, and then uh, at one event, the Orbic Centre were there, and they tried some, and they said, are you selling this? And I said, no. And they said, well, if you do, we will buy it as the Orbic Centre. So now we exclusively supply the Orbic Centre, they don't sell anybody else, and we've been going since December last year. We started trading April 30th this year. So, wow, uh, that's quick. Yeah, well, we, we, I'd, I'd made loads and loads and loads because I'd, I'd had it all sort of going in the background for about a year, and then we just sort of went, all right, well, let's let's go then, let's do this. So, yeah, it all went a bit mental. <laughs> am, I, am I right in saying that mead is a, a seasonal drink to make? You can, you can Not make... particularly nowadays. You can get honey most times during the year. Okay. Um, it's, it's different at different points during the year, and you've got to be careful with the early spring one because that could be based on basically bee sugar. Okay. So you really want to know the bees have been out foraging. Um, but you can buy your honey at any point of the year and make the mead at any other point. Ah, okay. um, it does go hard in the bucket, which it is a does. bit of a pain when you have to dig it out with a, a spoon. Yeah, oh, we, uh, we, uh, my, my bathroom's entertaining because you occasionally <laughs> get a scream from, from the fiance. She's gone to go and have a shower and find several buckets of honey sort of in the bath <laughs> with, uh, with hot water around them to soften the honey so you can sort of scoop it out to, to start dissolving Come it. and get these buckets <laughs> all, all the, the time, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> not another bucket you know that sort of thing so yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the flavors the fruits and so on they're, they're seasonal but you can prepare them and freeze them uh, does it matter where you where you uh, create the meat from geographically because I know like to where you get the honey from geographically yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where you make it is, is that's what I mean like so uh, say a honey from a different part of the UK or a different yeah. part of the Absolutely. world or, yeah. or even a different side of the field yeah it's really? amazing completely different yeah we have yeah. we have a honey which was made from uh, sorry a mead that was made from honey where the bees foraged on sweet chestnut and blackthorn and it oh. tastes completely different from any other mead we've made it actually tastes like a walk through a damp forest Okay, so that, that leads to conundrum. Have you made a mead that you've never been able to recreate again? I, I mean, I guess every mead is different, but um, maybe a f- certain flavour that you're like, how did we do that? Like, Yes, is the, is the answer. Yeah. Um, so it, quite often, um, I mean, on our stall, we try and make the bottles look the same colour, um, but because we buy that much honey, um, and it, you know, it transfers throughout the year, it comes back different colours. So you can have pretty much close to the same flavour, it's still slightly different because it's a natural product. But I made one honey, uh, one mead, which is a traditional mead, and it came out really caramel, really toffee-like, really dark, and I was like, this is amazing! Absolutely awesome. Can I get that honey again? No, nah, never again. Never, <laughs> never, every time I go back, have you got that good? No, no, never seen it again. But that's because the bees just, they're, they're bees. They go, you know, they do what they, what they want. They like, yeah. Yeah. Can't control them. <laughs> you know? we, we had the same thing. We actually purchased some meat, some honey that had been overcooked. Um, when you sell honey, it can't have more than 20% water in it. So they put it in a warmer to drive off some of the moisture. And the beekeeper forgot about it for 12 hours. <laughs> So it very, very slowly caramelised the honey. You couldn't sell it because it was effectively ruined for putting on bread. We said, we can do something with that. And we made mead with it. And it was like the you know, the original toffee vodkas when they were actually putting toffee in. <laughs> it, it's like that. It's smooth, it's rich, and we used all the honey we had and we haven't got any more. So now I have to work out how to caramelise honey myself without a honey dryer. And without burning it. And without burning it. Um, and it won't be the same because it won't be the same honey to start with, but yes. it will get that caramel flavour, and that is going to be an absolute seller. Yeah, Once I can do really that regularly. Good. 
How interesting is that? Because we're going for a gin movement now. Everybody's drinking gin, and that's because it's all sweet and it's, you can add anything to it. But I feel like mead is already it's already a, a sexy drink to drink. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, you know. I, I think the gin revolution's come to an end. It started about 10, 12 years ago. You know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, if you drank gin, you were, you know, a little old lady sitting in the bar, you'd have a Gordon's uh, with a Schweppes tonic. Gin and, and, uh, and that's it. That's, that's all Street. there was. And yeah. then it went mental, and now you've got all these different brands, all these different makes all these different types of gin but people you know get bored and in pop culture now you have vikings you have game of thrones you have the last kingdom you have assassin's creed you have valheim skyrim oblivion all of this sort of stuff and mead is in all of it you know, yeah. you can even go out and buy a Skyrim cookbook, and in that it teaches you how to make black briar mead. Have you had somebody come to your stall and go, oh, you've made Skyrim yeah, mead? Yeah, all the time. And yeah, it's, no. it's, yeah, but people now know it because they Watch see it and everything. By you. They all see it in the things that they, they watch on television, and they, they're massive fandoms now. Um, so no longer was it what's mead, it's mead? I drink that in this game I play. Oh, I saw them drink that in this TV show I watch. So that's that's really starting to bring it to the forefront. And I think we're we're at the cusp. Like you, that wasp does. No, yeah. oh, I don't mind. It'll it'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're at the cusp of the the, the mead revolution, really. Mm. Oh, nice. I hope so because uh, you, you're right, Sandy. You can't you can't get it anywhere. You really can't. I'll go to Aldi or Lidl or Asda or something. I'll be like, where's the mead? Yeah. None ever. And if there is any, it'll be some horrible commercial manufactured assemblage. Of yeah. A drink. Yeah, yeah, please. If, if anybody who is listening thinks I'm going to nip down to the shops and buy some mead, don't go and buy Harvest Gold from Morrison's. <laughs> they say it's mead, it's made with the same nutrients they make Stella Artois with. So please, please, please don't go and buy that. Um, do find a nice mead supplier. Um, uh, try everybody's, find the one you like. Yeah, uh, you know, there are quite a few of us out there, and, and we are really trying to bring this drink back to the forefront. And you know we're a real mead maker because we'll prattle on for hours yeah, about, about where it. the honey comes from. And this is what I wanted to talk about. Is like you know you guys do things separately in different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, is it, is it great meeting somebody else that makes mead and you can sort of exchange yeah. oh, ideas? Absolutely. And stuff like that? Of course it is. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. Uh, we're, we're not we're not rivals because the market is still so big and we're still so small. Yeah. There is a huge amount of volume in that well, market. Of course still. there is. Of course there is. And we've got different flavours, different styles. You can get meads which are 4% beer style. Yeah. Or lighter effervescent ones, almost like a champagne. You get mead like mine, which is 17, 18%, which will knock your socks off. Yeah, um, we've, got, we've got 12% drink it all evening. That's it, you know, it, it all depends on your, your flavour. It's like going out and drinking wine, you know, there's that many different types of wine in the world. Mm. Um, you know, there's that many different types of mead, and, and mead can be drank hot, cold, with mixers, on its own, in cocktails, you name it, and you can drink over it with ice it. Cream. Over ice cream, everything. You could fill a bar, <laughs> a normal standard bar, you could take everything out of that bar and replace everything in there with mead. Oh wow! Okay, so it's very versatile then. Very versatile. Very versatile. Uh, now we're at the Battle of Shrewsbury today. Um, obviously, you guys have brought your stalls today. Where is this taking you? You know, because obviously you say you like history. This mm -hmm. is the perfect place for this. Yeah. Um, yep. Where is it taking you in the past? Uh, to, you know. Oh, different events. Well, I've yeah. been up at the Jorvik Festival uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the Viking Festival at Jorvik. Um, I'm, I'm York born and bred, so that was brilliant for me. We've done beer festivals. Um, reenactments are fantastic because you know reenactors like to drink apparently we do <laughs> <laughs> and they like the good stuff and I'm a reenactor myself I just don't have time to do it anymore 
Yeah, Matthew was given a, a brief and before everything kicked off, he was like, I hope you guys are okay this morning. So I imagine you guys had a, a bit of a tipple last night. Yeah, I, uh, I do a thing of an evening where we do traveling mead salesmen. So we, we load up our sack trolley with crates of mead and we take the sample bottles around and we go to everybody's camp because we know everybody and get everybody to try it. Um, and Matt himself was was in, certainly enjoying one, two, three, or four, five glasses. He was enjoying it anyway, so everyone was having a good time. Matt is a dark horse because he, 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 he comes across as a bit of a timid guy, but he came on my show, You Suck, uh, a while ago. Um, it's, it's a show that you can sort of swear on and you can get a bit more R-rated and stuff. And he's like, yes, yes, yeah, we're doing the Battle of Shrewsbury. And I've got this. And he pulls out this massive battle axe. And I was like, whoa. And then he's like, <laughs> and he's got this, which is his, his dagger of the um, region. Yes, yes. That, that region. Yeah, yes. That region. Yes. The bollock dagger. I'm going to say for, it on the Shrewsbury Biscuit, for, guys. For stabbing in the bollocks. Yeah, yeah. That's literally what it is And for, I was like, yeah. Matt, you, like you're though. definitely in dark horse. <laughs> well, you, don't, you don't want to have to have instructions with No, of course you know? not. No, yeah. This is clearly for that. They yeah. didn't have written instructions <laughs> back then. You know, let's just make things look like the places you're going to poke people with. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking forward to the most from this weekend? I mean, you've got to make money and stuff and sales, but this is such an amazing setting, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky uh, in the fact that, you know, I do reenactments as well, um, and a lot of my friends are here. So I've just been in my first 15th century battle. Um, so one of my friends let me load a kit, and I went running out onto the field and winging a sword around for a bit, which is great fun. Um, but just sitting around having a good time, speaking to people, um, learning more about where people come from, that's always something I find interesting, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, um, And yeah, that, that sort of stuff, really. Nice. And what about yourself? Are you? I love events like this. I feel so comfortable. It's uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's like coming home and the smell of the wood smoke. Yes, I've done, I've done yes. so much reenactment. Yeah. I, I take my kit out and it still smells of wood smoke. Mm. It's amazing, even though I do wash it. Um, <laughs> yeah, just talking to people. You do? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it flies out That's of it. it. Just stand by the fire a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just, just talking to people that love their subject and mm. really into it. And yeah. it's almost like the reenactment is their normal life and putting a shirt on to go to work in the in the, in the week yes. is fake yes. somehow. We were just speaking to um, uh, who was it? We were speaking to uh, Robert Masters, the author, just across the way from me here. Amazing chap. And I was talking to him. Um, was it more today at some point I spoke about comic cons and cosplay mm -hmm. and how sometimes you get a kid dressed as Batman or Deadpool or Wonder Woman or whatever and they just feel electric and they feel like they can walk up for upright and I'm seeing people dressed in, in their, 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 uh, the, the costumes the reenactment of costumes and they look like Matthew walking past with his sword by his side he looks so proud you know? you, you, there is something about walking around with a sword on that just <laughs> makes you feel cool <laughs> I imagine, yeah. I imagine. Um, I love this. I really do love this. Not only have we been cooped up for the last 18 months and not been able to do these sort of things, uh, and we're, we've you know, been able to do it, that's that's the great thing as well, but it's how it's... The, this thing is massive. The amount of people that have come together to take part in this. You say you're, you're a, you're a reenactor. Mm -hmm. Is that usually the, um, the, the Viking thing that you do? Yeah, so do I, run a, I run a Viking group in York. Uh, so I'm part of what's called the Vikings UK, which is a massive society. It's a huge community. Yeah. All, all over the world, yeah. We have about 1,500 members. Uh, wow. I run one of the groups within that society uh, in York, so Nidhogger Vikings, hence the name Nidhogger Mead. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I do that. We train twice a week. We come to events all over the country. Um, I pretty much do an event every other weekend throughout summer from, from about April to October. So we do everything up to the Battle of Hastings. Um, 
So we have full cavalry charges, pikemen, bows, uh, everything, and, and full-scale battles. So and full contact combat as well, which is which wow. is great. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, the battle, Leon, uh, when you went to go and watch it? Was it was it what was it what you thought it was going to be? Well, I certainly enjoyed it watching it. It certainly shows how much effort people put into like acting and stuff for this event, which is nice to see. Yeah, um, and is it like the battle? Be honest. When you thought about battle reenactment and, and you know these sort of things, um, did you think it was? Well, I, I thought a bunch of kids are going to run around with a bunch of. Cats <laughs> <laughs> I bet Peter, you have like Peter mode and Viking Peter mode, right? So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 ex-military, so okay. uh, served served in the British Army from the age of eighteen to twenty-one and a half. Um, and when I when I go on that battlefield. It's, it's switching back to army, Pete. It's switching back to having that right, here we go sort of mentality. We don't actually go out and hurt each other. You come away with a few bruises and a little bit of a, oh, ow, that hurt. Yeah, yeah. But we never we don't actually hurt each other because you know, we wear the right protection and we, we train a lot. Um, but there is definitely a, I'm at work mode or I'm at home mode and I'm on the battlefield. You know, there's definitely that sort of switch. Well, I mean, I, oh, sorry, well, I, well, after college and stuff, I'm actually going to the military, Brilliant. I hope. Well. No, I've heard that. I'm going to take a bit of that off. So. Very good. Well, if you want to have a chat about it at some point, I'm more than welcome to do so. Oh, right. nice, nice. I recorded some footage of uh, from outside St Mary's in Shrewsbury, which was like um, a bit of a taster as what's going on today. Um, and I think it was Lee and Matt were having a bit of a fight, uh, and I recorded it. And you could hear them calling out the timings too, too, too. Two and block, two and block. Uh, but even though you do that, where in the world do you see that? You see people fighting with swords and shields apart from the movies in real life. You don't see that ever. There so is actually full contact um, military fighting in America. Is it like a UFC type thing? Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. yeah, and that is full contact. Yeah, it's uh, a style called Boohurt. We have it in this country as well, um, where it is full steel plate armour, very similar to what the guys are wearing over there except they actually welly the living daylights out of each other and you keep going until the other person falls over. Um, and then they also do uh, massive 15v15 battles. So if <laughs> you want to watch something funny, go on YouTube, check out the Russians versus the Americans um, because it's the funniest thing in the world because they just pile into each other like they are nuclear missiles. So they have no owls barred Amazing. and beat the living daylights out of each other. Amazing. Um, well, I think we're about to take off. Um, this, 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 this thing's nearly blown over once already, but that was before we put the guide ropes in. Um, Pete, I would like to tell you, uh, you to tell people about uh, your mead, where people can find it, and then we'll go into it. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah, uh, Nidhogger Mead. Uh, you can find us at nidhoggermead.co.uk. So um, Nidhogger for the guys in America, by the way, who are not used to the, the kind of N-I-D-H-O-G-G-R. Yeah, that's right, yeah, and then mead.co.uk. We ship internationally. Uh, we have shipped to America and Canada and Denmark you know. and Germany. <laughs> uh, you can buy us at the Orvik Centre, uh, Duncaran Medieval Village in Scotland, Horns of Odin, descended from Odin, um, and loads of other places that I'm not going to list right now because we'll be here for quite a while. So um, about 14, 15 places. But if you do want some, please do head over to our website, check us out, give us a like on Facebook uh, and Instagram, uh, and that's great. Yeah, fantastic. And yourself, uh, tell people about your meat. Yeah, we don't have it in many uh, retail places. We do have it at a place called Middleton Hall, okay. um, which is a fantastic place to visit because they never knocked the old halls down when they built a new hall. Oh, so okay. there's three different ages of really quite grand halls. And they've oh. got a lovely little selling area there. So we're, we're down at Middleton Hall, but you can get us on Facebook, Mercy and Mead, M-E-R-C-I-A-N, for the 
great Anglo-Saxon kingdom of Mercia. Um, and we're on Facebook as well. And basically contact us through either of those and we will ship to anybody anywhere. And if it's anywhere near Derby, we'll drive there. Beautiful. You guys have been fantastic. I'm really glad that we got, got to do this and it, you know, we didn't end up in fisticuffs. You know, we're great. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. Not at all. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet up the other guys. That's yeah, it. We'll meet up on the battlefield later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see Viking Pete. Um, <laughs> you guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much for, for, no, for chatting having to me. Yeah, um, I'm going to do this as a separate interview, so I'm going to need to tell people about what we're doing in September. Um, guys, on the 29th of September at 9am, we're going to go live uh, for Pod Aid, and we're not going to stop for 24 hours. Live podcast. Uh, 9am on the 30th is when we're going to stop. You're going to get 12 hours of the Shoes with Biscuit, 12 hours of Usuk. The schedule is looking amazing. We've just signed up Mark Summers, who launched Nickelodeon and the, the, the Food Network. Honestly, this guy's amazing. Uh, we're doing this to raise money for Lingen Davis Cancer Fund, a local um, uh, charity. And the reason we're doing this is because next year, what we're going to do is we're going to challenge you guys to do better. If you've got a podcast, a game streaming, and OnlyFans, I don't know, whatever you're doing, if you've got something like that, go out and uh, you know support your community by doing something positive um, and try and do better than what we're doing um, that's what pod aid is all about um, we've got our sponsors thanks to reach we have a, a, a venue thanks to shrewsbury town community outside the football stadium there we're going to be doing it there uh, we have a website thanks to web orchard and we have equipment coming to us from stage and studio uh, services um, thanks trev for the cameras we're going to be using them very well um, so make sure you get involved go to our website which is the shrewsbury biscuit podcast.co.uk and all the information you need to know is there. There's even a, the text to donate um, prompt there as well. Guys, thank you very much for chatting to me today. It's been amazing. No worries. Thank Thanks you. very much for your time. Catch you guys next time. Peace out. Bye, Leon. Bye. 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 <laughs> well, that was an amazing interview. And of course, this is a generic message that I'm recording on the end of all these podcasts, but they're all fantastic. But here is my opportunity to tell you guys how you can follow and support us. If you're listening to us on the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, you can go to our website, which is the shrewsburybiscuitpodcast.co.uk, and you can follow us on social media. We are at the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. If you're listening to this on USUC, on the USUC Network, you can, again, you can go to usucnetwork.com. That's our website. All of our audio is available on there. And you can follow us on social media, as which is USUK, um, Facebook, Twitter and on Instagram. Our websites are built for us by a web orchard. So if you do need a website and you want to look all cool, and they will build you a website that looks just as good as ours. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you share it with your friends. And as well, I hope you give us as much support as you can. Thank you very much again to the organizers for letting us come and do our thing. I will be there next year um, and I will absolutely enjoy put on some chain mail and throwing, throwing down with you guys I've been promised that and I'm going to keep you guys to your word this has been a fantastic interview I've been Alex Whiteley peace out <laughs>